time to be in, as the, Jap- the Chinese always, there's a Chinese proverb that says, may you live in interesting times, which can be taken as a negative or positive uh, uh, in- inclination, but in this time, I-, I find it to be, I choose it to be positive, so what I'm seeing is uh, twofold. I still hold my I hold to my guns and say that we are going to see this being overly cautious and seeing less people die than we are anticipating. Okay, I really truly do. I have uh, today. I went in to get tested because uh, the other day. Now, listen, I, I, I had incredible sinus pain like I haven't had before. I had a temp of like 101.8 and just figured, well, I got it. Even if I hadn't had it before, something I got going on, right? So, struggled through the first two days, ended up having to call out sick and talk to a, a doctor. I sent him an email. By the time I talked to him, it was said, uh, okay, well, you need to go in and get checked. By the way, this doctor I'm talking to, two things. The, the, the crew that I'm talking to in, at Kaiser, they are top notch, top notch. This guy, I sent him an email, and four hours later, he calls me calls me by phone and goes, sorry, it took so long. Hey, it's it's... Uh, it's Ladine. It's, oh, it's Dr. Ladine. You know, remember me? And I go, yeah, dude, I just, <laughs> yes, I do. Sorry it took so long for me to contact you. And I go, well, literally, I just emailed you, you know, four hours ago. And he goes, oh, sorry it took so long, but I, I ended up, uh, I contacted uh, a professional over at an infectious disease. And she's saying, you know, what, what, by, by all the accounts of what's going on with you, you got to, let's go get you, just check. Let's just be overly cautious and take care of that. And uh, I already set you up with an appointment. So can you do, you know, anything between 9 and 12 um, in, in either San Rafael or Petaluma, which is basically they're both equidistant, you know. But the guy went and did all the legwork for me before he called. I go, Doc. Come on, brother. That's fantastic. Okay, yes, I will go in. I'll get checked out. Um, and 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 so I went in and did that testing, which is not the worst thing, but it's also not the most comfortable. So I don't know if you know what this is all about, but what getting tested for it requires you to do a swab of your deep throat, <clears throat> and it requires them run a long swab into your nose, into the very back of your nasal pharynx, and you know scoop that sucker, swab it for about three seconds or five seconds, and they go, "This is going to be painful." Sorry, that was the nurse. You know, she goes, "I'm sorry. I'll be as gentle as I can," and she was. Now you know you you tear up a little bit, and you're going, <laughs> and it hurt, you know it's not great. Um, my buddy Rocky Lane, he put up on his uh, Facebook page, just so you know, this is what it takes to get 
checked. And he's like, maybe buy me a drink first before you do this. And he's right. He's absolutely right. I mean, it's not comfortable. That being said, uh, I've been getting debrided because of the, the, uh, my condition with cancer for the last three years. So uh, that compared to getting debrided, that compared to um, a suction going back there and sucking all that part out, like, you know, the thing they put in your mouth when you're a dentist. And they, and they suck through it. Yeah, baby. I will go in. Okay, you're right. You're right. Sorry. I'm talking too close to the room where the boy is nap timing. So that, a little swab compared to a suction. You know, that same kind of suction device that they uh, suck out your mouth. Saliva, you know. But they're doing that to my nose when I'm going in for cancer debridement. Uh, it's, it's nowhere close to discomfort. And by the way, it's necessary. So all of that took about from the time I pulled up to the time I left about three minutes. So we're going to check it out and see what happens. We're waiting to hear we're waiting. Who's we Mark Twain said only those who are royalty or have parasites are allowed to refer to themselves in the Royal we, but if we extrapolate that and take it to those of us who may have another body living inside us, micro as it is, I'm just going to say we. <laughs> so anyway, got that done. I'm waiting to hear. It's going to take 12 to 24 hours. And that's redonkulous to see how quickly this is happening. And by the way, everybody who's worried about how slow this is occurring and how long it takes to mechanize, imagine, I don't see it. I don't see it. I don't see how you could actually be upset about this. What if, what if today at your job or yet, you know, two weeks ago at your job, someone went, Hey, guess what? We're not doing what you do. We're going to retool and I'd expect you to be doing a new job within an hour. Well, you'd have to be insane to think that it would be that quick to retool and to be ready as an industry to be doing a completely new job, you know, a company that makes cars or respirators to now have to change it to ventilators and Tyvek clothing. The fact that we can get that done within a week is amazing. And it's a, it's a, it's, 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 it's an amazing, what's the word I'm looking for, but it's a, it's a tribute or it's a, uh, no, that's not the word, but I'll think about it. It's amazing to think that we can do that in this country so rapidly. So I'm, I'm impressed. I'm impressed by the way this is going out. All truth be told, I am truly impressed at how quickly we're able to modify and conquer things. And um, I think that we're going to get a handle on this stuff. I know they're saying America right now is more... Uh, there's more patients in America than in Italy and Spain, but that's only because of the fact that we are testing more people than Italy and Spain. It's, it's only, a, 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 you know, a testitude. That's the word I'm looking for to the ability for us to do this efficiently. So all of that being said, plus the new drugs that are being passed along, that being a Z-Pak and the uh, chloroquinoquin, chloroquinoquin, whatever it is. You know, I'm talking about that is, uh, it's amazing that we're pushing it through and the FDA and CDC are saying, we don't have time to go through the trials. The trials are going to be live trials. We're going to do it with real patients. 
Let's just do it. Well, that's amazing. That's great. That's great. We're doing this on the fly with the most efficacy of the drugs we know of. And let's just see. Let's just see if it causes damage more than, than, than help, then stop immediately. But let's just try it. So to see these trials occur in real time and seeing real effects, well, I, I can't, I can't bag on, on Pence, which I, the guy I never really even had nothing in common with. But I like the way that this thing is floating. And if I have to attribute it to somebody, I'll put, attribute it to him, you know, or the people around there that are doing the right thing. And I know people keep, people are dividing into two camps and, and saying there wasn't enough done or there was too much done and nothing is good enough. But I'm telling you, it's good enough and it's better than good enough. It's, it's above average. So continue what we're doing. Also continue what you're doing. Just stay at home. Wash your hands. If you go out, if you have, you know, uh, some kind of particulate mask, wear it. But stay. Limit your time. Stay at home. And don't touch your face. And above all, don't watch the news. It's, it's fine. Um, but you also have to remember that it's really sensational at this point, and it's not meant for your edification. It's not meant for your knowledge at this point. It's meant, you tell me if you feel differently. It's, the news right now is meant to sell the news. So don't get stuck on this stuff. Don't buy into it and think that things are as crazy as the news is saying. And even if it is, well, what can you do? What you can do is stay at home. Limit going out until it's necessary. Get your food. And when you go out, wash your hands when you come back. If you got gloves, wear them. If you got a mask, wear it. You're going to be fine. And the beautiful thing about this is kids aren't getting sick. So we can move on from there. And we'll see where we're at in two weeks. Um, so... So I've been sitting at home, and I've been thinking, because what else can you do? I don't have any jigsaw puzzles. I have a guitar, and I've been playing music, and I've been thinking about, been thinking about what it is to be a musician and what that was to me, and and what it was to be a paramedic and what it is, you know, continually to be, um, and 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 just this thing that when I first started as a musician, I used to play in front of uh, parties and friends in high school. And I was really, really lucky because I had friends that were pretty tough subs of bitches, man. I'm not kidding. Like really tough guys. I worked, or I, I, I worked, I, I, I lived with friends that were the, the sons and daughters of firefighters, police officers, blue-collar people that really didn't have time, for the most part, for artistic stuff and, and people. And they would just tear into you. I mean, our whole lives, all we did was jam each other up to the point where you wore, I wore sandals to school. My buddy walked up and went, dude, 
If I wasn't your friend, I would kick your fucking ass right now. Why? He goes, what are you wearing sandals for, bro? What, are you going to show up tomorrow wearing a fedora? No, no. He goes, dude, I'm telling you. You better, you better make that work for you. You know, it was like, you had to make it, you had to, you better make that work for you. Otherwise you're going to get your ass pummeled for what you were doing. And, you know, I'd play guitar with friends over and they'd be like, you're playing guitar now? Yeah, but, but look, but, 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 but listen, but listen. And I would play a Zeppelin song, you know, and they go, oh, that was rad. That was awesome. Oh, you like that? Let me do something else. All right, cool, cool, cool. And that progressed from that to high school where they would, guys would be like, Kenneth, you're coming over. Bring that guitar. Bring that guitar. Kenneth's coming. He's bringing his guitar to the keg. And if I didn't show up to the kegs and the parties with my guitar, you know, I would walk up, Kenneth! Like, what's up, guys? You know, I'd be coming in from the darkness at the rope swing. You brought your guitar, bro? Yeah, get the motherfucking guitar. Like that, that egged me on, dude. That egged me on. And we would sit, you know, many a night after the keg was done. And I'd just be sitting in the darkness and playing music, and people would be around me having the rest of their beer, smoking, having a cig, maybe having some weed. And that was, that was, it was what I grew up doing, right? I was lucky to have what you would call the bullies or the athletes and the intellectual kids and everybody liked the fact that I had a guitar and I just attributed it to the fact that I did good when I played it but that compared to in college when I would get up on a stage and cold call to the audience to get up and now this is uh, Kenneth Allen, and uh, he's going to play a couple songs. So everybody give him a hand. And you hear like, <laughs> you know, nobody's caring. Nobody gives it anything until you start playing and the heart is racing and the gut is cold and churning and the sweat is running down your head and you just go, just play, man, just play, just play hard. And play good and give it all give it all and you give it and give it and give it and at the end of that song you <sighs> okay and sure enough yeah. place would light up place would light up and I'd say play another and I'd just play and I'd play three or four songs no two or three at first and that was enough where I met a, a number of people that would hire me to come over and work, you know, their, their spotlight gig, their, their day where they had it, you know. I got a show on Tuesdays. I got a show on Wednesday. You want to come and you can play like 30 minutes? You got 30 minutes. You got 30 minutes of songs. Turned into, you got an hour of songs. Can you do any, you know, can you do an hour set? And bam, dude, you know. That worked into that, but that whole churning of the music and, and, and the machine as you did it was never easy. It was never an easy hour. It was literally one beat and one note after the next, trying to make it perfect. 
And, you know, I, I always figured that I, I'd wrestled before, and that was three minutes of losing your air and your muscle strength over and over and over again in high school. So I always equated it to that. And I go, well, it's not that hard, but I should make it that hard, right? It should be that hard in a different way, but also make sure you give that much to the song, to the note, to the set. You know, fix your set and change it up dependently and dynamically according to how the audience has taken in your music. And if they didn't like that last one very much, well, give them, hit, hit them with a, a, a quicker, harder song and then drop it down into a, a ballad. And you just play it and you're just, but you're on the fly and you're doing that. And I, I, I learned so much for that. I, I honestly believe that my skills as a teacher come from my awkwardness and clumsiness on the stage that I had to get over. I, I, dude, I'm telling you, when I used to get up on stage, I would literally look around and go, well, I'm going to. I'm going to stumble over that chord, over not the guitar chord, but literally like the mic chord. I'm going to, I'm going to fall on that. I'm not going to be able to plug in my guitar. I'm not going to be able to do any of this right. I mean, that note's going to go like this, uh, rather than, uh, and just literally just pumped through everything and saying to myself, yeah, but it also can be beautiful. It doesn't have to be so mechanical. Also, there's poetry in, in the locomotion, right? There's poetry in the movement, too. In the midst of this awkwardness and, 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 and fear, can't there also be a moment of pause and beauty and poetry? And does that make sense to you? Like, there needs to be a kind of exactness that happens. And when that happens... It's not hard. It's just you, you fall into that groove and it hits and it works. And so I knew if in the midst of whatever I'm doing, suddenly you let go and suddenly you find that thing. It's like you're swinging on this vine and you had to run up a hill to grab it and swing off. And as soon as you swung off, you were holding on to it with your arms and legs and going... But when you get to the apogee of that spot, when you get to the top of that swing, you let go. And that rope drops out of your hands in your free fall. And you just go, well, all I got to do now is grab the other vine. And you just kind of pause in the midst of all of that uh, tension. And you release and you grab the next thing and it's like, boom. And you grab it and you swing on to the next line. You go, got it, got it. So I took that to being a paramedic. So follow me on this one. Swing on this vine with me. When I started as a paramedic in Oakland, in Alameda County, I was more or less in, in the back of the rig on my own. You're not working with anybody else. And when I would have a severe patient, a code three patient, a big sick patient, somebody who was legitimately having a heart attack that I saw on my monitor, 
and I was having a stroke, and I knew time was of the essence. And this is a real call. This is how it's really going down. I would drench in sweat. I wasn't, I wasn't freaking out, you know, because I'd been there before in my head. I'd been in that stress before because of music, because I'd faced it in other arenas. And so when it hits, when that stress hits, I knew I already had it faced it before, but it didn't stop the fact that I would sweat. Didn't, <laughs> didn't phase didn't me that this would all be difficult from the time they had to start that IV to the time that I had to do the CPR, the time I had to um, do transcutaneous pacing for the first time, even though I had not had that on my internship. And and you go, well, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, but I've been here before, so I'll just do it that way now. And you go through that process in your head, and at some point, even though you're sweating, and even though you haven't been there before, you do know the right drugs to push, and you do get the IV, and you hit the intubation, and there's a moment of letting go. And once I had completed all those skills, right? So we bring in a patient that maybe was having chest pain, and by the time we get there, they are in cardiac arrest. And you go to yourself, oh my God, this is going to be the real deal because they just went into cardiac arrest, which means the true rules of taking care of somebody who's in recent cardiac arrest apply now, which means... We need immediate CPR, we need immediate oxygen, and we need immediate defibrillation. And how am I going to do this with myself? And hopefully the fire crew that got there before me has started some of it. But it's up to me when I get on that ambulance and I get going. Uh, it's up to me now to take care of this. And... Yeah, I've learned all this stuff, but the sweat is going to drench. The things are going to get real. And there was some point I remember on one of those calls that I just remember. You think internally as you're doing all this and you go, look at me, I'm sweating. And you go, yeah, but I'm okay. But okay, okay so I guess sweat is normal. I guess this normal fight flight mechanism that my body is doing is just what it's going to do on these situations. And you go and you run that damn call. And at the end, somebody lives. You go, damn it, dude, I can do this. I can make this work. So take that another five years later, after I got back from Afghanistan, after really facing the demons in the dark night of the soul, man, that stuff was tough. I, I'm not saying I'm not saying I ran into a bunch of stuff there. I'm saying that the commitment to go and do that and to actually do that was affirming to me. To say, well, man, you've done that stuff before. Also, you don't have to do that anymore. And whatever you felt there, it's not going to be that bad here. So take that five years later after I've done all that. And I start working in San Jose and you go through the same basic sympathetic, you know, response of fight, flight. 
just being a probie and hoping that not only people like me, but am I going to pass? Am I going to get through this year? Am I going to be able to... <laughs> I'm not going to fail out and lose the job. That means everything to me. But having to do well enough that people go, ah, he's a good dude. Oh, Ken, you know him? Yeah, he's a good guy. I mean, that's, that's, that matters, man. That matters. Matters to me and it matters to, you know, the, 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 the crew. And I'll tell you, it matters to society at large that when your crew shows up, the guys and girls on your crew get along. So that's all part of it. I don't care if they go, well, that's just your ego or whatever it is. But no, it fucking matters, man. It matters what your crew and you feel about each other. So I was thinking about this, how, how, so I was alone on that ambulance. I was alone when I cut my teeth on those protocols in the back of that ambulance from 05 to 09 or 08 before I went to Afghanistan and it mattered in Afghanistan. But when I got back to the homeland, or Jesus, that sounds like I'm trying to be military, but I'm not. When I got back home and I got hired at San Jose and they finally picked me up and the probie, me, got picked up that, and, they, and the guys at the department liked me so much that the crew at 18 sought me out and said, hey, we're going to have a spot opening up because Ramirez is leaving, who, was a, who is a dynamite paramedic. They're like, hey, he's leaving. Do you want to fill his spot? And it's like, I, how am I going to fill Mark's spot? He's amazing, bilingual. He's, you know, but yes, yeah, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. So you go, I better be able to do this. And then we get that same call. And that same call is very different now on the other end of it, where now I'm showing up with the crew that is competent, all of them aside from Captain Palmer, were paramedics in the past, and they, they promoted to engineers. So they get the job as paramedic. But now they're doing more. They're doing paramedic thinking, plus they're doing pumping when they're doing car, you know, raising a ladder and all that other stuff. Like... I know a lot of paramedics get down on firefighters and they go, well, you just don't get, you know, you don't get what it is to be a medic. But you got to remember, most of the people, especially or at least in San Jose, were paramedics for five to ten years before they started their fire careers. And a lot of them worked as paramedics for another five years in that department. So they get it. We get it. We did the job that you did. Trust me. We, we get it. But that knowledge was they know what I'm doing right and they know what I'm screwing up. So you go on that call where the patient first has chest pain. And in the, in the, in the middle of the, am, on the, of the engine en route to that call, you get an update. Uh, engine 18, uh, CPR now in progress. Patient unconscious, ap pulseless apneic. No pulse. 
no breathing. Somebody there is doing CPR. Now, that's a scary call because you think to yourself, they just died. Now, it's on the line. Now, this is real. A lot of crews would go, oh, shit, and they'd freak out. Do you know what that crew on 18 said? I looked at Craig Black, and he goes, hey, Kenny, we got a chance on this one. And he's smiling at me. He goes, we got a chance. We got a chance. That changed that nervous, sympathetic, epinephrine response to going on stage, turning this into... I'm about to go up and I'm going to kick ass. I'm going to play the shit out of that song. This is going to be fantastic. This is going to be magical. It really is. It changes that mindset of, oh no, because I feel fear to, all right, I feel some fear. That is all the difference in the world. You rise to the fear. You rise to the occasion. And I got on scene... And I bring this up a lot, but when you have a dire situation, when you can see somebody has died and you have the tools and protocols and abilities to fix them, it's really happening. It's going to go down now. And when you have those situations... You rise to them because of the people around you and because of your training. And when I went on one of these calls, I'm thinking about, same thing happened. I rolled up, the engineer grabbed the monitor, hooked him up on the, on the electrodes or on the uh, patches. And, yep, we got, uh, we got maybe... Find VFib. Let's go ahead and start. And without even asking them to do it, they're doing CPR. The other engineer, Todd Ashbaugh, is putting on the Lucas device, which is basically a, a CPR machine. It does CPR for you. And all I have to do at this point now is start an IV. In this case, I started an IO because that's kind of what we go to now. If you don't see an obvious IV, you go to IO which is interosseous, you go into the bone, which works just as good as an IV now. And hit the IV, got the fluid going, and started an intubation. Pushed epinephrine. The uh, engineer goes, hey, we got, we got V-fib. Without even asking, we, the guy just charges up the machine and <clears throat> hits, him with the, hits him with the shock. And we go right back into CPR. And now I'm looking around at this crew. And they're just calm as calm can be. It's not like ER. It's not like Chicago Med. It's not like, everybody, you got to do this. Nobody's screaming. There is a woman in the back, the mother, or, or the wife is screaming. And my captain's going and dealing with her, taking her out of the room. He's turned the lights on in the room. We have plenty of room to work. And everything calms down. Like that moment as you're swinging from one vine to the next. 
and I'm listening to my buddy Craig, who's over on the doing the CPR as we're hooking up this uh, Lucas device, and I just hear him. And he's humming to himself. He's looking over at me, smiling. I go, "Hey, what? What? What are you? What are you? What are you humming?" He goes, "Ah, it's my song for you, buddy. It's my best best bud song." Go, what's that? He goes, people let me tell you about my best friend. He's one And he's doing CPR, going, but let me tell you about. And I go, you, <laughs> you see? He's like, no, I'm just humming, man. Just, yeah, this is going well. This is going well. And, and I realized that these stressful situations, when you're with friends who know what they're doing, this shit isn't scary. It's magic. So we did CPR, we did another round, and then Scott Trabert, who's there, he goes, hey, oh, take a look, Kenny, look, look, look. And I saw on the monitor that the end tidal CO2 had jumped from about 10 or 12 to 60, 69, 70, which means at some point the patient's heart started back up. Sure enough, you look at the EKG and you can see that there's a rhythm going. And he goes, check, check. So I and check, and sure enough, there's a heartbeat. They go, hey, guys, we got, we got a resuscitation. And they're like, nice. Scooped him up, put him in a ready bed, little canvas tarp that we carried off to the, you know, end of the gurney. And as we're going on the road to the hospital, the patient starts breathing spontaneously. And... Uh, we ran that in within about three to four minutes at the hospital. Patient is awake again, and they extubated that tube. They took the tube out that I started. That is an unbelievably uncommon situation. I don't know if you understand how, how uncommon it is, because here's the thing. Most of the time when we find somebody who is, has stopped their heart, or has stopped, uh, it hasn't been within minutes. It's usually within, well, longer than 10 minutes, but typically an hour or so. We usually get these calls at like 7 or 8 in the morning when a family member checks on them and finds them dead. Well, when did they die? Well, they usually died within about, you know, 1 to 10 hours before. So there's really no viability. As we know, with CPR and and emergency work, you know, on a patient whose heart is stopped. The brain starts to die within about three to five minutes. The body is almost, you know, completely gone within about 10 minutes. So when we catch it like that, it's a big deal. And it's a big deal. And it's an even more amazing thing to see this patient start to wake up and talk when you get him to the hospital. That's, well, that's magic. I, I think that's magic. I, I, I'm going to say it's a miracle, but it just depends on what you consider a miracle. But it is magic. It is magic. I mean, what we figured out from that is that, I mean, what, what, what has been figured out? How does that happen? Well, some doctor in the 30s and 40s went, so... Cardiac arrest is basically, in some cases, disorganized electrical beats. So what if we 
What say we drop a big electrical charge on them? Well, what kind of charge? Uh, direct current or alternating current? Uh, let's try direct current. Let's try alternating current. And they do a whole test on it, and they go, direct current works better than alternating current. Got it. How big is the charge that needs to go through this? Okay, got it. Should it be, uh, you know, from one side to the other? Should it go from both sides? Do we have the technology? And this distills down from 70 years to get us to where we are right now. To say, not only what kind of shock should we give, should it be monophasic, meaning it goes one way, or should it go biphasic, meaning it goes from both paddles or both spots, you know, to go to the heart or what should we do? Let's test it. Let's do it. Let's have, let's have trials. And what kind of drugs should we push along the way? All this yada, yada, yada down to me and that crew and us taking care of this patient who has just gone into cardiac arrest. When a crew works that well, when, when our crew works that well together, because we're calm, because we're positive, because we're efficient, a life is saved. This guy walked out of the hospital. He won. He won. He won. His family gets another day, maybe another 10 years with him. Because of what? Because of research, because of development, because of... Because of magic, kind of. I mean, because of magic, this this happens. And when when I left that place, I went, "You guys, you guys saved them." And they go, "You no, no, you did it." And they go, "No, no, no, you understand. You, Craig, Craig, you you made that so great. Nah, just doing what I'm supposed to do, buddy. You know, my best what." And I'm like, no, "Dude, dude, you have no idea how easy that was." Because I looked over at you and my head kind of tilted to the side and I went, are you singing a song? He goes, oh yeah. Yeah, I'm singing. He goes, well, I couldn't help but sing, dude. I was just watching you work and it was kind of poetry in motion, bro. And I'm like, yeah, but that made everything work. You understand that was great. And he goes, well, yeah, I mean, but yeah. you, you made it. So you're passing along the buck to everybody, but not in a bullshit way, in an honest way. Um... And if that crew has the patient show up, they say, you know, and they show up and sometimes they do and they say, uh, you saved my life. Thank you. And, and all we say is like, no, nah, no, it wasn't me. It's just the way things go. So, and that just, that buck gets passed back and forth. But really, when you think about it, how much credence can I take or how much credit can I take because it comes down to the fact that a doctor 70 years ago decided well if we just if we give this amount of electricity to somebody maybe we can save a life maybe if we give this drug versus another drug and and it just follows on down the line of of you know people standing on the shoulders of giants all the way down but uh, I gotta say, that's magic. If you're looking for real magic on Earth, it's that. 
We gave something an electrical shock at the right time and brought their body and their life back. That's amazing. And to do it with a crew that you love and people that are so good together is, in my opinion, the greatest job on earth. So I want you to think about whatever you do in your daily life and think, when your team works together, isn't it amazing when everything is clicking and the lights are flashing and you're just, you got that, bing, you got it, bam, slam, dunk, and things are popping, 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 and you, just, you look at somebody and, you, and they go, no need to tell me. You know, when you're playing in a band and you look over and the drummer sees you and he gives you the nod and he goes, do, 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 do. And you all hit that note at the same time. When you're playing that music and you know it's hitting at the right time. Isn't that a little bit of magic? Isn't there a little bit of mysticism and woo-woo in that? But at the end result, what do you have to show for it? You got a song. You have a presentation. Do, do you have a cure for something? And in my case... I, I, I have a life to show for it. At the end, when everybody worked well together, a life was saved. And I'm telling you, this is why, at the end of the day, no matter what you complain about at work, no matter how bad your, your, uh, your time off, your vacation, your sick hour thing works out too. No matter how bad your retirement plan is at your job, you know, no matter what echelon you're on, if you're on like a two-tiered system and all this stuff, you know, as, as you as firemen and, you know, and paramedics are thinking about, like, at the end of the day, how much you complain about shit, which we do. I mean, how much I complain about it, you know. When the gears are turning and they're greased and the lights are turning on and the result happens and you can say, yep, but when it works, we save lives. We saved that guy. Do you have that as your conclusion? Do you have that? And that's why I think this job is the greatest job on earth. There's just nothing better when everything works well, lives are saved. And it's a thing of beauty. And it's not immaculate. It's not uh, a light and God comes down. It's blood. It's darkness. It's screaming and it's chaos. But at the end, you got, hey, we got a pulse back. We got a pulse. Let's go. And you get in the back and you're working them up. And hey, we got a, we got a breath back. You roll into that hospital and you got somebody alive. Man, are you kidding me? Is there a better job on earth than that? And that can be taken even to like working, you know, a, 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 a car crash where everything's blood guts, but you pull that patient out. And it's a thing of beauty because the crew choreographs so well together that you go, hey, thank God we were on that call. Thank God it was me and them. Thank God it was us handling this call. Because despite the stuff that we may have to think about for the rest of our lives, 
this call is good. And this call is something I'm going to take to my grave. And hopefully that's something I think about uh, on my deathbed. You know, and if I end up dying, maybe there's a crew that shows up and does the same thing. And I get another couple of days to a couple of years. So that's what I've been thinking about uh, while I had my downtime sitting around in quarantine, thinking about whether or not I got Corona and all that stuff. So that's what I'm thinking about. And I hope you have some reverie to think about this revelry. Yes. To think about the same stuff. I love you very much and I hope you're well. I hope you're happy. And I hope you know in a couple of weeks we're going to be past this and we're going to be celebrating. God bless you all. And if you got it, use it because the world can use it.